Welcome to the SAP HCM Insights Podcast. I'm Steve Bogner, the managing partner at Insight Consulting Partners. Here with the great podcasting team, we have Sven Ringling, Martin Gillette, Amy Grubb, and Amon Sajid from SAP. Uh, thanks everyone for, for taking the time to join the podcast. I know we're um, right in the middle of year end for some of us, which is a big deal, and Christmas holidays, and it's a busy time, but thanks for uh, joining. Um, what we wanted to talk about in this podcast is, uh, with Imran, uh, you know, what's it like at SAP, you know, being responsible for managing a product or developing a product, you know, how, you know, how do you decide what goes in and what doesn't go in? Um, how do you determine that direction? You know, what pieces of information or what sources of information do you collect and consider, um, and you know, just what's what is that process like? And um, you know, what would you like customers to know about that? And maybe um, you know, as consultants, we can provide you some feedback too on some things. So um, that's where we're coming from. So Imran, I, I know all of us here on the podcast know you well, but um, for our listeners, you know, just introduce yourself. Let us know what you're doing at SAP these days, and uh, and what you're responsible for. I appreciate it, Steve. Nice to be here and uh, always nice to catch up with all of you. So, uh, yeah, I, I do uh, a lot of different things at SAP. I wear many different hats. So I work in product marketing, but then I work very closely from a uh, standpoint of our product managers. I work closely with our sales organization. I kind of work throughout the organization. And, and one thing I, I personally do is I probably do a lot of things that aren't in my job description, right? I'm very focused on customer success, talking to customers, talking to people like you all. And so uh, I, I like to do things like this. I like to get different perspectives and you know, that's always a good thing. Yep, great. And you're working, um, I know that I work with you a lot on payroll topics, so um, that's exciting. And cause there's a, a, lot, of, <laughs> a lot of change in payroll and, and that's good. So, um, so I guess, Imran, I think, you know, one thing I'd like to understand, maybe we can start off with, um, I, I know that you're collecting information from a lot of areas, and SAP does this, but what are some of the sort of official areas or channels where SAP's collecting ideas and requirements and um, changes yeah. for, for the product? I mean, what are... What are those, um, what do those yeah, look like? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I have to say like, I, I've been kind of in, in your position too. I started my career in professional services. So I think I very much know what is on the other side where, you know, you're talking to customers, you have certain requirements and you just look and think like, ah, come on SAP, like you should look at this. And so you know, I, I certainly understand that. And I think now that I've been on both sides here at SAP, I, I have a, good sense of that and, and um, it's more complex than what, what you would think. So I'll start with that. What I will say is that product direction and, and those priority decisions, they're not made in a bubble here at SAP. Um, and, and for me, I'm not directly making that decision, although I try to in, influence it. So I'm constantly collecting data points. And when you think about it, I'm really putting together a lot of small business cases uh, to give justification for why we should work on something and why we should pick one thing over another thing. And there's always mm -hmm. customer feedback behind uh, really anything. 
and, and everything. So the reality is that we receive customer feedback in a variety of different ways, and you have to take that and, and figure out how to use it. So let's look at some, some of the different ways. Um, and, and I did some homework as I was preparing for this conversation with you all. So I talked mm-hmm. to my colleague, Franz, who's our uh, product strategy manager for time to get his perspective. And, you know, he gave me some areas. Obviously, I'm familiar with them as, as well. But we'll start with the first one. The first one is the influence tool, which you all know and you might have different feelings about. Uh, and that's a way for customers to just like easily be able to submit something, others to vote. Um, and we're collecting feedback from, from that standpoint. And I talked mm-hmm. to Franz, who's, you know, like I said, works in time management. And we have probably about 2,400 customers that use the, the time off. And he said there's about 350 open requests, and that's only for the time management area, right? So there's a lot mm-hmm. of feedback, and you have to take that and you have to consolidate it. So you know, you have to consider that's one data point. Some of the other things that we also have is we have VIP events, and that's through our customer engagement executive community, and that's the people that are managing the relationship with our customers. So it used to be once a quarter, but uh, these events are tremendously helpful for us to get a sense of direction for where customers want us to move. Uh, we also have user groups, ASUG. I'm actually a volunteer for ASUG. I've been involved with it. We have DSAG. We have some success factor specific user groups for different areas. Employee Central has one. They're actually starting one for uh, payroll, I believe, next year that I, I heard about. Uh, in mm-hmm. Europe, almost every country has its own user group. There's a lot of them, and, and they're important. They're important for localization updates, right? And especially around payroll, uh, announcing that to our customer base and getting those updates out there. Additionally, we have product panels at times when we're trying to get requirements to develop something, and that's we can validate something. We can get assumptions. We can show early mock-ups. This is very process-driven. There'll be questions that come around there, and then there'll be questions we ask. We'll ask things mm-hmm. like, what are your reporting requirements? Uh, would you want to have this on mobile? What does this look like? Uh, different things like that. You know, We're working on some of those things for uh, in time, which I know was the topic of your most recent podcast, Clock right. terminal integration, flex time, those things are going out. Then you have beta rollouts where that's filled with feedback opportunities. And, um, those are monthly calls and you provide some feedback, you test some assumptions, you have a panel. And then I guess um, one of the last things is we, we also have a regular network of customers that we ask questions about how they do things. So we'll send an email out. And uh, I, I guess lastly, you could say we, we also have partner requests. We have internal requests from sales, from marketing, professional services, mm-hmm. maybe even a few from you all on the phone, too, which I know I know are the most important ones. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah, they are. Because, uh, well, you know, it's, everyone has their own perspective, right? Um, yep. Yep. And, and so you're getting perspectives from a lot of different people. So I guess one thing I would ask is about these beta programs. If a customer wants to get involved in a beta program, is, is there a process for that? Or is, is, is that something where SAP initiates that and, and makes a contact? Or how, how would that happen? Yeah, there's different ways for that. I think it's uh, depending on the product area and, and which area you're in, right? Like, so the obvious one right now is is time management, right? And so we usually have customers that we've collected that information from those different things, right? So when we have those VIP events or we've reached out to customers and they've told us. So if we're aware that you're using these requirements, uh, if you have the the need for it, then you know we reach out and, and customers can get involved with that. 
I think uh, mm -hmm. it's probably important to stay involved in some way, shape, or form, right? Whether it's through the CE community and those VIP events, through uh, ASUG or your, user, uh, your local uh, group, and, and reach out. I would say reach out to the different people. Reach out to myself if it's a payroll topic. I'll, I'll take a conversation with really anyone. I think in the mm -hmm. previous call, you know, my colleague, uh, excuse me, Paul, Paul and I talk every day, right? And I think he offered the same type of thing. So, you know, find out mm -hmm. who it is uh, as you get involved with it. Find out who it is for that specific area and, and send them an email. I'm always open to a conversation. Uh, and I don't care mm -hmm. if you're an intern or, you know, whatever, uh, you're, you're a CHRO or an intern. I, I will have a conversation and collect some yeah. information. Um, yeah. Great. Yeah, there's, there's one point uh, I didn't hear you mention. Are you actually looking what competitors do? I mean, obviously, <laughs> the side product is the best one, right? But you can always learn from other people's mistakes. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I would say for me, I, I look at a lot of different things, right? So it's not just about collecting requests or feedbacks internally. You also want to consider where the industry as a whole is going, right? Some of the trends, and, and that's why it's helpful to talk to different people and keep up with things. So I guess I'll give you an example of, of myself, right? I'm, I, I like my job. I'm very fortunate. I get to have a lot of great, meaningful conversations, and that's one of the things I like most. So there's a lot to consider, and, and payroll is certainly unique with its challenges. Um, there's a reason a lot of vendors don't pursue global payroll, or they stop once they get uh, a little bit along the way. And I guess to give you a glimpse of what that looks like, I actually did a little bit of homework and prep when you reached out to me. If I look at my schedule over the last month, I've had three analyst calls. I've talked to IDC, I've talked to Gartner and uh, Constellation Research. I've had seven partner calls, uh, Rising, EPU, Sengie, Spinifex, Accenture, Deloitte, EY. I've had eight prospects or customer calls. And then I also have, I, I try to have regular um, interactions or touch base with the various influencers, yourself included, right? Um, mm -hmm. Whether it's email, Twitter, regular touch bases. Uh, so it's not just about the feedback internally. And that's why you want to consider, like I said, where the industry is going. So I'll say I, I know a lot more about the industry as as well as our major competitors than you, you would think. Um, so yeah, you certainly keep up with those type of things. It sounds like, Imran, so you get all these, I mean, SAP, you and others at SAP, you get all these ideas, but there's a sifting process, right? There's a sifting and sorting process because you can't do everything. And um, I imagine it's, you know, a question of resources and trade-offs and, and things like that. So, um, you know, yep. and, and I'm sure you can't tell us all the details about that process, but what are some of the things that... Um, what some of the criteria or some of the things that, you know, when someone says, I, you know, here's an idea, what are some of the things that would help uh, you to determine, you know, how that fits in priority? I mean, it's, I could say, you know, I could give you an example where, um, well, we emailed just yesterday about this, right? You um, know, I provided some information. And so, um, you know, that gives you some information you can use to sort of prioritize, but what are some of the things that are important for for you when you look at these requests so that you know, you know, how to sort of fight for them if you want to fight for them? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, I'd say you know, to kind of circle back around to your point is that 
for our product management team, what gets in and what gets um, does not get included in the product, what do we deliver? There's a lot of different variables on that, and you have mm -hmm. to collect the, the data points, right? And so when we look at it, what are the number of customers that are impacted? What about the number of employees at the cu those customers that are impacted? Mm -hmm. Is there a manual effort? And if so, what is that effort? Is this a one-time thing or is it a recurring thing? So for me, mm -hmm. I, and one thing I always appreciate about you, Steve, is that anytime we've asked you for something, you, you've always given a tremendous amount of detail, right? You gave specifics of, hey, this is the number of records it will uh, affect, or, hey, did you think about this detail about retro, this, 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 right? We previously mm -hmm. had an interaction. Also, when we were talking about the executive order, and you provided us some fantastic details, and you know, you went out of your way, and you gave me a bullet point of 10 different things, and did you consider that, right? And, and mm -hmm. if you recall, some of those things were dire directly responded to, and you know, some of them even ultimately ended up in the version we delivered. So that's always tremendously helpful. So a lot of times, you know, someone's saying, oh, I want this, but then there'll be no context behind it, and that, that makes it more difficult for me to put together that business case. So detailed, yeah. uh, devil's in the details, and uh, specifics. What are the customers that are impacted by this and some of those other things I mentioned? Right. So when you mm -hmm. throw out those names and you give those specifics, that that helps tremendously. And then when you look at it overall, uh, we we do have to make decisions. Right. What's the item that will be used by the highest percentage of our customers? And and that also is going to vary year to year. I'll give you an example for 2020. Right. And, and mm -hmm. um, I talked to my colleague Vishwa, who you know, and he gave me an example um, of in Canada, which he's also responsible for. There's a form, the T2200, and it's a work from home form in Canada. And so typically mm -hmm. we didn't support that because there's a small impact and um, there wasn't you know, a, a huge impact to our customer base. But now due to COVID, now we have millions of people who are working from home, they needed this form. So we had to deliver that. Right? And so those yeah. kind of shift and they're fluid. And you look overall, that delivery standpoint, You know, payroll is hard. So then you kind of touched on this a little bit, it's different, but um, to give you an example of this year and give you some a specific data point is in a normal year, we might have about 800 legal changes that we would deliver across our, our various countries. This year already, that number is closer to 1100, right? And so that we yeah. had to be quite agile and deliver a lot because you know, governments have changed a lot. And, and um, it's, it's certainly complicated and I have a tremendous amount of respect for my colleagues that have had to do that because all of them have had their own struggles, right? They've had the same things anyone else had, but they have, they've worked late, late, they've worked overtime, all those type of things in order to try to deliver for our customers. And there are certain challenges that come across with that. Yeah. Yeah. And when you have a, a increased level of compliance changes, then you have to make trade-offs in future changes, right? Because you don't have unlimited resources. So it's a juggling game. It's like it, it reminds me of the, you know, when I'm working with customers and going through the, the sprints. You know, each each sprint planning. It's, um, you know, you're working with the product owner to determine well, what's important, what needs to go into this sprint, what do we do, and and there's trade offs. And sometimes, you know, um, sometimes the trade offs aren't what you would like. You have to do some things that you know, you can't put off, right? So mm -hmm. with compliance, and then you. Uh, have to forego some of the other things that you like, but you know that's the nature yeah. of change. So I, I suppose Absolutely. it's not much different internally at SAP than it would be in a typical IT shop where you're getting all sorts of requests. Plus, you have mandatory things that you have to do, and then you balance it out. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think the challenge that you face with software um, development period that that's not unique to SAP, 
right? So when I first took this job I'm in now, I actually took a, a course and got certified in this program. It's uh, for product management and product marketers called Pragmatic Marketing. And it was fantastic for me. It taught me a lot of it. And what I realized from taking that course is that the challenges that we face, they're, they're not unique to us. I got to talk to people from right. Apple, from LinkedIn, um, Salesforce, and other key software companies. And the stuff they face are remarkably similar across uh, different mm -hmm. companies. Although to make myself feel better, I'll say payroll's even harder than those. <laughs> and then one other yeah. thing I'll add, Steve, is that you know the product you're developing, that's gonna impact um, where, where you are with that product is gonna have a big impact, right? You, if we talk about mm -hmm. payroll, as you know, our platform is very mature and we have a lot of customers. Yeah. So when we get an RFP, we're able to check a large majority of those boxes. And so we have different challenges to focus on. We have integration challenges. We have operation challenges, those type of things. Uh, mm -hmm. With the luxury of having a large base of customers with various deployment options and a big ecosystem. But if you compare that to a different area, so I, I'm also involved with our visa and permits management product. I work with EC. Mm -hmm. I, I talk to my time colleagues. And the product management for the visa and permits, they operate completely differently. It, it truly has a, a startup feel to me. And I love that aspect mm -hmm. too, right? Um, those product managers will listen to anyone who will talk to them directly. They uh, do enablements. <laughs> yeah, once in a while, once in a while. But yeah. <laughs> They help with implementations. They help with sales cycles. And it has a completely mm -hmm. different vibe to it because their challenges are different, right? The place where their mm -hmm. product isn't different, whereas, you know, payroll is its own beast. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the benefits of SAP is that, you know, because when we look at the, the payroll solution, when I think about that, you know, it's in many, many different countries, dozens of countries. And so the nice thing is, is that you get a lot of feedback from a lot of places. And the challenge is that you also get a lot of feedback from a lot of places, <laughs> right? <laughs> Right, blessing right, right. and a curse at the same time, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's good to have the information, right? It's about taking that and what you do with it. And mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, Martin, Amy, do you guys have anything you want to bring up? I have a, I guess I have two questions that are somewhat related. One of the things that um, I find is most consistently frustrating for my customers when we run across um, doesn't happen a lot, but when we run across something that they would like the system to be able to do that it does not do, and I have to say, <clears throat> excuse me, the words, oh, you should log a product enhancement for that. Um, right. You know, something that they, to them seems very straightforward and easy and should be quick. Um, they don't, you know, they don't understand all the things that go behind it. So. I don't very know if you point. can maybe just at a at a very high level, if you can explain to our listeners and to me, this would be good information for me as well. Like all of the things that that SA, that goes on behind the scenes when something is identified as an enhancement to be put in to the software, <clears throat> so that they can understand, you know, why maybe something that they say, think is so simple um, might take. A little bit longer than they would like it to. That's my first question. And then maybe along with that, you can answer how um, impactful or important in when you all are deciding what to which enhancements to go with, what to put into the product. How um, weighty are those product 
enhance those enhancement requests that customers log. Yeah, uh, appreciate that. Um, so I think the first thing I'll say is sometimes something that that seems like a very small, simple request that they can have a lot more behind it, right? Especially if we're we're focused on payroll. Uh, the legal ramifications, and it's not just about the technical work, right? I, I mentioned I talked to my colleague Vishwa, and and he gave me an example of something that's seemingly simple. And he said like adding a non-binary option to the gender field, right? Trad traditionally, you'd have male, female, and maybe non-disclosed. And so, to a regular person, might be like, okay, let's just add a new field here. What's the big deal? Like throw it in a pick list in Employee Central, or go to InfoType two and just you know add it as an option there. Well, behind the scenes, there, there's more to consider there. So non-binary gender, for example, has not been recognized legally federally, but the state of California does. So there are a lot of open uh, things still open to interpretation. There's lawsuits going on, there's bills going on, there's proposals in the work. And you know, for us, we do have to consider that. And then you look at like some of the challenges uh, specifically with EEO reports, they ask you to report on only two genders and it does not recognize non-binary as gender. So what gender do you use if you include the additional option? There's actually a lot of research to, that goes on there. And for us, we do have to kind of consider that holistically in, in designing a, a flexible solution that will cater to everyone because someone might only be in California and they say, hey, California recognizes this, just can you add it there for us, right? But what about the other implications for that? Um, to your second question about the uh, influence tool, look, uh, I, I think I know where that's coming from and why that's asked uh, maybe some frustration in the past with it but what i will say with that is i, I don't think i can give you an exact answer of of the weightiness i think it depends on the product area who's looking at it what they already have on their plate uh, for us in payroll yeah. we have a hundred plus things on our backlog that we know we need to get to that all of them have customer feedback behind it but what i will say is that our product team takes that more seriously now than they ever did before our leadership has mm -hmm. certain degree prioritized it um, and they look at that. It is absolutely considered and probably more considered today than the, in the past, if that makes you feel any better. Okay. So okay. not to say, that, you know. I, will, I have no frustration. That, that frustration was not coming from me. Um, I was just, you know, I just thought it would be interesting. And I know that it, it varies by product area for sure. Right, right. Um, and, you know, so that I just thought it would be good for some of the people that listen to maybe share. No, no, thank you. Thanks for no. asking and allowing me to yeah. kind of explain yeah. some of our perspective on that, which. You I know, the, the flip side to getting all these changes put in is that it's changes then that get introduced to the whole customer base. And then you have other people who complain that it, things keep changing, right? <laughs> um, I, I've worked with customers right. who say, you know, I got this working, it's working for me. Let's, I just don't want SAP to change it, right? Because then yeah. I have to respond to the change. And, you know, I, I tell them, well, it's something to get used to, right? Because particularly <laughs> as you move to a more agile environment with cloud software, you're going to have that change. And it's not, um, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And, you know, build your organization and build your project team to be able to absorb the change. Uh, stay within, you know, some reasonable configuration guidelines so that when SAP releases the change, it's not going to uh, adversely impact you or the chances of it impacting you are less. Because I, mean, I think as consultants, we all know this, and Imran, I'm sure you do too, is that the more esoteric and fancy you get with your configuration, the more likely it is to break or change in the future. Because, you know, when you're 
at the edge like that, then it doesn't take much to push you over the edge. So anyway, I just thought I'd bring that up because, you know, some people like the change, but they like the change when they want to see the change. And so, right. um, and it's just a lesson, you know, for all of our customers and for all of us is, you know, I think that the way product development and release goes, um, you have to stay more agile to absorb the changes. Even though, you know, success factors, you, you know, went to two changes a year instead of four. Um, you know, I, I was not necessarily a fan of that. It just means the same amount of change just in two bigger batches. But, um, yes, wasn't my decision. I, I think that more gradual change more often is better. But, you know, that's my opinion. Anyway. For speaking about changes, guys, um, maybe it's a tricky question, Imran, so maybe we can edit it if you can answer it. <laughs> How, I mean, we talked about success factors, which was kind of a revolution for us coming back from the Stone Age with the uh, regular payroll success factors made it through with the employee central and so on. So how do you guys keep up internally to maybe get some kind of digital transformation and see how we could embrace, you know, new technology, maybe adjust the processes and stuff like that. How could we actually apply that to payroll? Because payroll has been kind of, you know, not fixed, but kind of a steady process, you know, for uh, the last, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years. So is there anything over there that you guys are trying to achieve or trying to deliver to customers? Um, yes, yeah, for sure. I think that with, with payroll, that's an important focus area for us at, at SAP. And you know, I'll say from my perspective, our leadership is more focused on it now than, than ever before too. And that's not just a success factor, that's a SAP leadership. You know, there's stuff going on in payroll I, I can't really talk about uh publicly but you know i think there's there's more to come there and we're excited about it and we're we're doing a lot of work and and we can't wait to to talk about it and even um so you look at what we do now with payroll and even our, our payroll control center i think that's been truly like a, a revolution in, in how people are processing payroll and we get that feedback you know the co-innovation that we've done on that i've been in workshops with you know mm -hmm. one of the biggest names in tech, one of the, you know, like a bunch of customers, everyday customers, and we've gotten them to give us uh, feedback on what they'd like to do with it, right? And, and we mm -hmm. have a new iteration of that coming out uh, likely next year that adds a tremendous amount of functionality to it too. And um, so even from that standpoint, it is reimagining how administrators can process uh, payroll and you know, go about doing that work. And I'm really excited about those capabilities. Um, that, that are coming even for our customers today. And when you look at it, like, it, I know it's a challenge with our on-premise customers, they also have access to that. And we don't charge a license for mm -hmm. PCC either, so they can do it. I think there's challenges with, you know, the fact that they might be behind on releases, change management, right? Getting them to actually do it. But when you look at like us versus any other competitor for an on-premise soft uh, payroll software, the fact that stuff we're doing with, with Payroll Control Center I don't think anyone else is doing it, right? And so you look across the right. base, I, I would say we're still doing a fair amount for our on-premise customers. Whether all of them can use that currently or whether they're open to using it, we have some other challenges there, but you know, there is a way for them to really change how they're doing payroll and be a lot more um, productive and efficient with that from my perspective. Basically, you're talking about change and challenges. Um, you mentioned everything that you do. I mean, it looks like it's more than... Uh than one full-time equivalent with all you do. 
but what are the key areas, key challenges that you're currently facing if you had to have uh, some kind of top three? Well, there's there's certainly a lot of key challenges. And I'd say for me, the biggest challenge is only so many hours in a day, right? And, um, mm -hmm. It's all right. We can just put it back in the block later on. But uh, I was wondering, you know, when you're talking with customers and, of course, they are they are working, you know, pretty hard with their heads in the product and their heads in the configuration and the daily processes. But um, voila, what are the key challenges that we are working on perhaps to answer those needs and, and secure them in the future? just to make sure that the customer, like you said, are getting the best experience and the best results. Yeah, I think um, we talk about like customers, there, there's certainly a lot of challenges, right? If we talk about payroll specific, we, we know the challenges that, that we, we have had, right? When we first launched ECP back in 2013, right? Like it, it was it was a tremendous hurdle to, to, to kind of overcome. You had your EC, right, the native cloud product, and you had um, the payroll side of that, which is our traditional payroll. And so when you look at, you know, how far we've come there, right, it, if I reflect back on that, and I look at the integration challenges, the operation challenges that we've had, and we continue to, to face those. So I'd say those are still like big areas that we're um, constantly, constantly looking to improve. But now we actually have customers. We have customers that are with hundreds of thousands of people live on this product. And I guarantee you there are people that wouldn't have said that a few years ago, right? And so they're live, they're successfully live with it. But nonetheless, we, we have work to do to, to continue to enhance that. And I guess overall, when you look at, at it, like I also spoke to our, our head of payroll product and he gave me some great context uh, for this conversation. But there's a lot, lot of work that goes into our product that, that people do that doesn't make make it into a feature in the system, right? So there's a tremendous amount of analysis that, that we are constantly doing for that. You look at, I'll give you some examples. Um, payroll reporting in SAP Analytics Cloud, right? I think this has been a topic on your, your conversation and my colleague, Robert, Robert Muller, you know him, uh, he's leading this analysis. And so he has to go in, he has to have conversations, he has to look at it. And in some cases, it, the challenges there are not payroll challenges. It might be on the SAC side, which in the it, it here is as well. There's also other things like we're doing an internal analysis of like moving ECP to HANA, uh, proof of concept, figuring out what that looks like. Um, also like migration of our infrastructure onto hyperscalers, right? That's a, a request people have or you know, outside of our data centers. And so we're doing a lot of work that doesn't make it into the second half 2020 release. It's kind of a long-term thing and we have to kind of account for that. And you have to also account for it from both a customer standpoint, right? You have customers using this product, but we have to account for it from a sales standpoint. So there's certain challenges that are sales challenges there's certain challenges that are our customer challenges, right? And so um, a fair amount goes in, into all of that and you'll never see it in a, a feature functionality standpoint. Of. Okay. Yeah, but well, you'll see it if it's not there, right? Like if you, if you don't pay attention to those infrastructure things like you talked about, eventually that sure. shows up. Operations, yeah. security standpoint. I mean, there's, yeah. there's a good amount going on there and, and we have more than just a you know, a handful of people working on those type of things. And even you look at like cross-functional integration, working with technologies. Uh, WorkZone was just launched, right? You, you heard about that and we we plan to have a paid card on, on that. And we also have customers that use Fiori Launchpad. We have the new SuccessFactors homepage and the existing uh, uh, homepage. So there's, you know, a fair amount that goes into like cross-application angles as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Thank you. I was wondering, Imran, how how difficult it is to, with all the changes, um, that that kind of where you are driven, as it sounds, driven by legal compliance, the uh, first thing, and by having to integrate with like everything else in in the solution. Uh, just mentioned the the new homepage and work zone, but then obviously yeah, reporting and and the the authorities. Um, how you balance this with uh, right uh, out of the box innovation, uh, which I would expect I, I somehow feel has been coming a long time uh, for for payroll. If I look at PCC, it just acts for the use of AI with alert creation rather than these fixed tools you can put in. Now I, I think that that's something a system could maybe learn what looks weird and what it should flag, which is. Probably how experienced payroll admins do it. They sometimes look at something and say, "This doesn't look right. I don't know why, but I look into this now." Um, so I think that's a, maybe a machine learning thing I would see there. Or then there is rumors. I don't know whether it's confirmed, but looking at at the uh, sub uh, recruiting page, uh, that the new payroll is going to be microservices based. So I would expect things there like uh, interactive self explaining. Pay slips, not tomorrow maybe, but day after tomorrow, or, or integrating my, my my payroll, integrating with my bank account and, and projecting my own cash forecast, some stuff like that. So, and, and I think there are two very different things. One that might a bit sound like Star Trek to some payroll admins, and then the the daily uh, the daily grind where you are driven by legislators and and by technology requirements. So that's what I was thinking, how you balance those two very different types of innovation. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough balancing act. I think us being a, a big payroll provider, we have different teams, right? For our breakdown, right, we have our globalization services, right? And so they are responsible for the legal delivery. And then we have other teams that work on different things, right? Our pay, payroll um, product has its own product management team and then even like payroll control center and how we we uh work on those and then you know the, the you talked about some of the the next generation initiative that they're working on can't really get into many details about that but you know th that is coming from the, some of the stuff we talked about earlier right there are industry thoughts on it we look at all of those various things that, that we talked about including the, the trends including conversations with very intelligent people like yourself right and if you want to go in and and have a conversation it probably don't have the time for it today but you know have a conversation with some of your thoughts around payroll control center i'm perfectly happy to do that in fact i i would love to do that so if you could you know let me know with time that you have let, let's have that conversation because mm -hmm. it, it gets into kind of an interesting aspect and we have had those conversations um and you know we always take it and look and see how do we apply it into the system i think an overall challenge yeah. with payroll control center is, is you know getting customers to change what they do today and i know it's probably been a full you've probably done half a dozen of your podcast kind of talking about you know some of these challenges but i have gone into customers and i show them this thing and they said no i'd rather go to rp calc i want to be able to run these pay statements i want to be able to go look at my payroll journal report i want my wage type reporter um i will do it manually or let me go read the log let me go look at the sm37 stuff and nothing i say will convince these people i'll say what about this what about this it's like the person who still wants to do um, 
out MapQuest directions and use that rather than using Google Maps, right? And it's hard, and I get it too, because payroll is unforgiving. So these people are terrified of rocking that boat. And I get it because I've been there. I've worked with customers. I've implemented payroll. I've supported customers that are live. And it is a scary proposition. Um, and so I guess when you take that to even the next level, if you're talking about taking someone who's using SAP GUI today and, and throwing in <laughs> machine learning or some AI in there, I'd say that's so far away from the conversations that, that we have with, with some of those people. Now, if you talk about a different use case uh, of customers that are more agile, more open to that, I, I think there's certainly a possibility. And you know, those are the conversations we do have and are looking to have. So yeah, let, let's set up some time and talks, man. No, absolutely. And I, I've, I've had this situation, if, particularly payroll people who've done this for 30 years, they just know this thing so well. It's difficult yep. to beat that even with the cleverest new product. But then you think one day somebody new needs to come in and do that without those 30 experience, and they would probably appreciate it much more. I had a, well, a, a prospect true. workshop quite recently where the HRD was all the, what I thought was great, innovative uh, suggestions that uh, nah, our people won't appreciate that now. And then at the end, after the workshop, his like deputy took me to his side and said, we have to talk about those things. He, he retires in nine months' time, and, <laughs> and then we talk again. <laughs> yeah, and you know, let, let's be clear. Payroll is extremely complicated. I don't have to tell you all, but it's extremely complicated. And like I said, I keep up with the industry. I was recently at HR Tech. I attended that. I looked at you know the different sessions there. And I'm aware of some of the things going on in the industry. Um, there's some cool products out there, and, and some of them might have some aspects of that. But I'll tell you what, when we get into sales cycles with, with large organizations, those, those companies never make it to the RFP because they can't meet the needs and requirements of the complexities. So there's a give and take. So if you are building something from scratch and you're building in some of those new technologies, guess had a chance to build this out over 30 years and stuff that we can accomplish i think it's all too easy to say ah well you know uh, any payroll can do that well, no not really because you know there's gives and takes with, with uh that and there's challenges and there's industry specifics and even you look at ecosystem our our you know sometimes with our partners they do fill gaps that our competitors don't do and that we don't do as well, um, and I talked to a customer at Success Connect where they they tried to implement payroll with a competitor. It didn't work. And Steve, you were in the room. It was at the Meet the Experts. Me, you, Mike, Tim were standing there, and that mm -hmm. customer was telling us about that. It, it was you know specific U.S. items, and, and guess what? We didn't deliver it either. But one of our our uh, partners did. Actually, I think it was even Becky's company that did it. it mm -hmm. They had specific functionality that they had delivered for this, and you know that is also important too so you can do the flashy stuff but can you do the can you do the core stuff too at the same time and can you do it at a high enterprise grade level especially complexity you know yeah that's a challenge right because and i know you know in, in my career i've had all different types and sizes and of of payroll customers and they don't all have the same requirements right so if you go to um uh, someone at a university, the payroll manager will want certain things that someone in the Fortune 10 doesn't care about, doesn't even know about. Um, so yeah, it, it's challenging. It's challenging to juggle all those things because in, in you know, like you pointed out, 
some of these newer features people just don't they can't envision right um that's been a that could probably be a whole other podcast for sure Imran, we've we've kind of taken a lot of your time already i think that uh you've given us a lot of good um information to to reflect on and and provided a lot of a lot of information i think that helps sort of clarify and, and bring some light to customers on you know how how do changes get uh you know into the software and how are they evaluated and what the trade-offs are it's it, you know it's not easy i do not envy you and the product teams of sap when you have a hundred requests and uh you got to figure out which you know which ones are going to make the cut and which ones don't um of course i hope the ones that i suggest make the cut because they should have some priority i would think um, yeah yeah i mean i have nothing but the utmost respect you for, your, for you and i mean I have you have your own category else. steve I have my own category. Yeah, that's right. Priority. Yeah, I, I take that's, it. That's it's called the trash can. It's in the corner. This is from Steve, so you know this is. You know, I, no, I mean, problem problem is, I'm I didn't know what comes at it from that perspective, right? Um, take it with a grain so, of salt. This is a Steve Bogner. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> thanks for your time, Imran. Really appreciate it as always. Um, you're great. Thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, yeah thanks for having me. Enjoyed it. All right, Martin's fan and Amy, we've got another one, another good one here. So thanks for your uh, participation and, and all your ideas and uh, contributions here. We'll get this one out in a little bit. And Imran, I'm sure we'll have you back in the future sometime and we'll figure out what it is. Maybe it'll be some new topic we don't even know about right now. <laughs> Maybe. Next gen payload. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true.